Good fun. <laughs> Still in Miami, y'all. With, I mean, I'm probably only a few miles away from Izzy, but he was too. Cool I was going to say, how are we not in the same place? Like we're in the close to the same area code. You don't want to come down here. No. Scary. Great. Welcome to Debatable. I'm Dominic Faust with Israel Gutierrez. Um, Alabaster, what you got for me? Time to talk about the Nuggets again because they're the reigning champs now. I'm sorry, Izzy. Uh, culture could not prevail. But Jamal Murray, after winning that championship, he said that this is the first of many titles for the Nuggets. Do you agree? I like it. They're set up to do it, and they have to because it's just the way the NBA works. We don't respect teams that win one title. It's I feel like Dirk is the only one in the Mavs, the only team that's won one title. That we're like, hey, that was significant. I guess LeBron had many titles, but that Cleveland single title seems significant. But for us to respect you as an all-time great player, we're talking about Jokic or team, you got to go back-to-back. It just happens seemingly so frequently in NBA. You have to. I mean, you have to if you're going to be respected and thought of that way. Um, and, and that's where Jamal Murray wants to put himself and his team in that place. But uh, a couple things is one, I think if they're going to be that type of team, it's going to be strictly because Nikola Jokic has decided he's going to continue wanting it at this level, which, by the way. Is it a high level that he wants it at? No. If immediately he wants to go home, he tells Lisa <laughs> Salters, oof, the job is done. We can go now. I'm checking out. Like, that's uh. ridiculous. You could have checked out a few months ago, too. But uh, if he still wants it, if he wants to create a resume for himself, a legacy, and win every championship um, that he can, then he's going to be in charge of that. And, and there's no offense to Jamal Murray, but... Jamal doesn't have to play great, and they still win a championship. I mean, he didn't play great the last couple of games of uh, the finals, and they won a championship. And so I think, you know, basically it's up to Jokic. It's up to putting the pieces around him. You know, uh, are you going to put up with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, much longer? Are you going to maybe look to move on from him? I think there's going to be some pieces that that still need to work because, frankly, like, if the Heat had maybe a, another scorer, this series could still continue. You know, we could still yeah. be in a, in, in a game six situation. You don't Defensively. really know. But I I'm think, sorry, right? yeah, no, no, I was just going to say just the, the last thing is I feel like you look around the league and even in the Western conference, like there's teams that move or two away from being right there. Like as much as, you know, people think, you know, Kyrie might not be great for team chemistry. You throw him on the Lakers and a couple other pieces, like they could be right there. And so it's hard for me to envision this team being, you know, a dynasty type. But the only reason that it actually hope that it's possible is because of Nikola Jokic, because he is the most dominant player in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's more likely than not. Call me crazy, but I think we talked about the history of the game. And they don't really have any immediate departures. Within the next two or three years, they're going to keep their core together. Uh, I guess you could have injury to, to Jamal Murray, which could be a, a huge problem. Or you could have Michael Porter Jr. back start acting up or some other issue, which I'm not sure would necessarily be a huge problem because it seems that Christian Brown, Brown damn it, Christian Brown is going to turn into a good player. He's already turned into – players just don't contribute as rookies in the finals normally. He's already done that. So yep. expectation is that he's going to continue to get better. You got Aaron Gordon, who they still have wrapped up, I think, for the next two or maybe three years. So they – 
I get your point that there are a bunch of teams that are a move away, but the Nuggets don't have to do anything. And I think they also are going to be an attractive destination for guys who want to get their numbers up and hit free agency, like one-year deals, two-year deals. Where else would you want to go? Then go to the Nuggets where you can be playing uh, in the championship and getting easy shots from a star player who's a couple times in this series alone started out the game looking only to distribute and set people up with backdoor cuts and wide open threes. So I, I, I don't know. Who's the team that you think, if you had to pick one team, Israel, that you think would give them a challenge in the West, who would it be? Um. Well, I'm still getting over the fact that you said, where else would you want to be? And you're talking to me and it's uh, Miami is where you want to be because they didn't win the championship and they get the best out of everybody and they need uh, some help. So, of course, you come to Miami, not Denver. Well, I guess not where would you want to be, but what's the team? If you had to put bet serious money, something that you actually care about on a team to win the title next season. Like, I think it's got to be the Nuggets, and I don't know. Who would you choose? Yeah, I mean, out West, there's basically two that I think of immediately, and that's the Suns and the Lakers. And that's the Lakers because they still have that LeBron desperation every year, assuming he doesn't retire or whatever. Um, and they have, you know, Maybe. an ability to get – they have an attractive place. You know, obviously, you know, Chris Paul, if he were to go there, Kyrie Irving, if he were to go there, maybe if they both went there – uh, I think uh, there's going to find a way to build some sort of uh, roster that you could say is a championship roster. And then the Suns, because you are starting with uh, with Booker and Kevin Durant. And again, there's that desperation. There's that um, now's the time because you don't know how much longer Kevin Durant has at this level. You've got a new ownership that really wants to make a splash. And so I think those are the teams that are going to right. Uh, that are going to try the hardest to set up to be that team. You know, you probably have to punt on Memphis for a year. You probably don't know. I uh, can't really guess too high on on Sacramento, right? You can't really assume they're going to do better than they did this year. And then the Warriors are kind of in that, you know, transition type of situation where you're not sure exactly who they're going to put around Steph Curry right now and whether Draymond's even going to be around. So I think those two are probably the teams just in the West. And I think in the East, you know, Honestly, if if a team, if Miami had size or if another team that would have met them would have had more size, it would have been something that you could, you know, throw at Jokic. And I think that's going to be the answer to a lot of teams. It's going to be, all right, look, we can't beat him with, you know, a zone defense. We can't beat him with sending help. We can't beat him with just trying to confuse him very often, except that one time Kyle Lowry stole the ball from him. Uh, so we're going to have to get some size and we're going to have to get some competent size. And I think that's where a team is going to have to sort of build some depth and some quality in order to match up. Right. But I guess I just think that that's harder to do than for the Nuggets just to show up again. So finding competent size sounds good, but it has to be size that's effective defensively and big enough defensively to cause Jokic some trouble, but it's not mm-hmm. an offensive liability. There are many of those in the league. It's like Giannis yeah. Embiid. I guess Brooke Lopez, I don't know too many other team or other players like that. I guess Jaron Jackson could be considered that. He's not great offensively, but he's a good defensive player. I think I would Jake's even dis- on the way. Yeah. I think I would even uh disagree with you on the teams in the West that hmm. I feel like the Pelicans have all the pieces. And they were number one in the West before Zion got hurt. They have yeah. all the pieces that they need, I think, to challenge. Uh, the the Nuggets, if those pieces can stay healthy. And 
That's a big if for, I guess, everyone in the league at this point. LeBron, AD, if they can stay healthy. The same could be uh, said for Ja and that team if, um, I guess, they have a much bigger problems or confusion happening in Memphis right now. Obviously, the Clippers, it's like, yeah, the Clippers could be trouble. They could freaking stay healthy for a stretch. And the same is true of Kevin Durant at this age. So, I don't know. I think you just got some residual Miami hate left in your heart if you think that the Nuggets aren't the best possible chance to win next year. No, who hates the Nuggets? Nobody yeah, hates the Nuggets. Everybody I mean, the Heat. Here, they, look, here's what happens. You know that the series is over. You immediately change the narrative. Miami Heat, greatest eight seed ever. Yeah. What a run. <laughs> you know what? What's the most they could have played? Two more games. Like great, great season. Nobody's angry. Uh, and then you just look at the Panthers and you say, Hey guys, uh, let's let's kind of keep this going if you can. Um, so the big like addition that I hear people talking about around the Heat is Damian mm-hmm. Lillard. I don't know how much that helps. I think they the Heat struggled a lot offensively when um, Jimmy Butler, I don't know, he's saying he's not hurt, but whatever happened at some point in the Celtics series when he stopped being playoff Jimmy, they needed another answer. So I think Lillard helps there, but Lillard ain't going to help on the other end of the floor, which is the thing that the Heat are best at. I guess they can cover up for him. Because I don't know who's going to get some size. And you can't throw Bam out there against uh, Jokic anymore. That feels like they were desperate. They put Cody Zeller out there, and that was tough, too. I feel like we need, like, a producer interjection here because I'm not the one who's moving on to Heat Talk. Dominique's oh, the one moving sorry. on to Heat Talk, and sorry. this needs to be noted. Right? I actually, noted. Bef- be- before we get to the Heat, I do have one team-building question about the Nuggets that I think is hmm. somewhat interesting. And that is, I think Jokic and Murray, they're there or good together. They play beautiful basketball together. It's a two, probably the best two-man game we've seen at least since the first year of Wade and LeBron, but maybe you could go back to Kobe and Shaq, Stockton Malone, just go way you guys play together. Um, but there is a Porter question, which is this is someone who can score the living out of the ball, uh, might not be happy full-time in his role, basically as a souped-up role player long-term, and he's got this $30 million contract with which the new CBA, those contracts are going to be gold. Being able to trade someone who's young, who is valuable, and doesn't put them in teams in this luxury cap uh, position. And so my question for you is, if you're the Nuggets, do you try and be the, the light years ahead franchise and potentially move that contract for something that could help build long term or you just say these are our guys we just want a title we have four guys who we know work perfectly together we're gonna run it till the end well do you have to be light your head because i feel like everybody kind of looks at him and says mm, if they could move him that'd probably be a good thing um he kind of comes across as the classic i don't mind if i'm on a bad team just wants numbers kind of guy so you can probably find a home for him you know in a uh, on a team that's struggling on a team maybe uh, i mean heck even like sacramento that is good and needs like another piece perhaps and you can convince uh, him or uh you know that team that they need him i i just feel like you know when you're at this level and you play with a guy like jokic and you win a championship you're kind of exposed for what you are and what you can do to that level of team and right now at his this point in his career michael porter junior um isn't happy with that role 
and probably isn't best suited for that role because he thinks more of himself. And so if you give him the opportunity to be, a, I don't know, a lead guy, a number two guy somewhere else, and then he's like, oh, you know what? I kind of like that other role better because I was better at it. There wasn't as much pressure. Uh, weren't a lot of people booing me. Um, and so I think he's got to go through that. And I think you can be ahead of the game and recognize that. And maybe it'll make him happy and make you happy. Uh, so I think you probably, if you're Michael Malone, you know, not about the nonsense. Nikola Jokic is not about the nonsense. Seems like Jamal Murray is going to sort of uh, plant his flag as the leader on this team as well. So I think he's somebody you can move on from and try to sort of sell high on him if if you consider that selling high. Yeah, I mean, given his injury history and the fact that his contributions to the team are up and down, it's not consistent. He's incredibly talented and he was important in that closeout game. He shot poorly early on and then he just kept shooting. And that irrational confidence that you're pointing to, Izzy, sometimes it works to your advantage because that's why he just kept shooting and they needed every bucket that he made. But yeah. I think if they could move on from him, I guess it depends on for what. If you're just moving on from him for flexibility, I guess that's nice too. But I think I'm a little bit more risk averse. We got something that's working. Yeah. We got a champion. He's got a great shot. He's got athleticism. But in the end, oh. on that team, he is a stretch four that you want to be able to defend with. You know, you want him to be a, a, a strong defender next to Jokic. And obviously good enough they just won a championship with it but if you can get better because you know you assume other teams are going to chase you down and try to match with you and so you've got to get better presumably um the last team to go back to back was the heat right and what did they do they got ray allen from one year to the next and and you know ended up being a lot better and won 27 straight games that regular season so uh if they're going to maintain it and be a favorite next year and really sort of run through the postseason the same way they did this year it's gonna have to be with an upgrade i would say yeah probably right give me that check what's next i izzy i love that you just did what i've been trying to do which is erase oh, the warriors, kd warriors back back. from history yeah yeah I'm um, so, dumb. so thank you i've infected you with alabaster <laughs> in culture. somebody's personal record book that never actually happened so that's why um, <laughs> let's let's move on to the heat though because shams has reported that they made an offer for kyrie irving at the trade deadline um, that wasn't good enough. There's they've been linked to Damian Lillard by Damian Lillard. Um, and they're in an interesting situation. And do you think the Heat need to go all in and add another star to try and capitalize on the end of Jimmy Butler's prime? Man, what was I doing in 2017 that I can't remember? Anyway, uh, <laughs> look, I do think that the Miami Heat needed another scorer this whole time. Um, maybe Tyler Hero could have been that guy. Um, but I, I I feel like, you know, even if they would have won a championship, I feel like they recognize that they can't really try to grind like that again. Like they need a lot of easy basket relief baskets. Um, do I think they're going to go all in on a star? I think what this finals run did for them, Dominique, is that it sort of made them a true destination, like a true destination. It doesn't matter if you're a free agent. It doesn't matter if you're just a guy, you know, that wants out, like maybe a Bradley Beal might, like maybe a Joel Embiid still might. Um, you know, people are going to look at Miami and say, I want to go there, and they're going to probably find a way to fit to close the deal because, I mean, they got Jimmy Butler without any space. They got Kyle Lowry without much flexibility at all. And so um, I think, first of all, that's where they're going to look at themselves in a position of power, if you will. They're not going to like have to strip everything down just to get one more piece like they might have to uh, for a Dame Lillard. But I, I also think that they believe 
that no matter who's on that roster, as long as they have a piece like Bam, that's kind of a do everything defensive player and an obvious leader in Jimmy, that they can build around them and still be, you know, finals level good. And so I look at them and say, yeah, if they could get Dame Lillard and and Dame and Portland's doing Damian Lillard a solid by giving him up for not that much because it's giving, you know, telling him, uh, allowing him to go where he wants to go, then yeah, do that without having up. He obviously wants to play with Bam because he said so. He doesn't, uh, you don't want to give up Jimmy in that scenario. If for some reason you can also keep Tyler Hero and be like, and let them, you know, take everybody else off your hands, um, then you've got like a potential favorite at an East Coast team that you're just like, wow, that's loaded. Um, and that's where Pat Riley would have to put himself if he's going to go after that big, big star. But if they could find other ways to maneuver, maybe find a way to get rid of a Kyle Lowry, who's got one more year in his contract and maybe could be interesting to Phoenix or one of the LA teams, and then they get themselves some flexibility, then you start looking at some free agent, maybe sign and trade possibilities, whatever. Um, Chris Stapps Porzingis is a guy I think is perfect next yeah. to Bam, right? A uh, big uh, five-man who can shoot the ball, protects the rim as well, not just, you know, some flimsy guy who you can push around necessarily. So uh, I think in that scenario, you start looking around and say, okay, we don't have to give up the farm necessarily. We can just, you know, add to this. And I think as much as Kyle has been, you know, strong for this team for two seasons, like they got to the third round, got to the finals with him, um, I think – for them to have any sort of real flexibility and real ability to, to move on, he's going to have to be part of a trade or they're going to have to move, you know, trade him elsewhere and then create some flexibility for themselves. Uh, because yeah, I just yeah. don't I, think that 40 million or whatever it is, 30 some million is, is very uh, good for that team right now. I like the idea of Porzingis. Um, I, I think the fiction that you've created in your mind that Portland is going to help out, Dame Lillard by taking less than they des than they deserve for a player like that. I think, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. If you can get him for cheap, but I don't think you're going to get him for cheap. And I think what, what it's going to cost you to get him doesn't fill all the holes that you have. So obviously Dame Lillard's a much better player than Chris Stapps Porzingis, but I think what they need, Chris Stapps would be a better option uh, to have on that roster. And it's still not complete. They're going to lose some of these role players that they've created and gave Vincent and Max Struess to free agency. Maybe they'll resign them. Maybe not. No, it's but, okay. okay. Yeah. They've done enough. They've spent yeah, enough I, money I, on those undrafted free yeah, agents. That they, let somebody else so them. I think that is their superpower though. It's not the weather or the lack of taxes. It's the idea that everyone else is looking for role players and they seem to be able to manufacture quality role players. The hard part is finding the stars. And you would think that they'd be able to attract the stars because they they've seen what this team has been able to do uh, year after year. So attracting a star and figuring out a trade to get another guy down here is the next big step that they're going to have to accomplish. And I trust they've proven well, us over the last, I don't know, 20 years that they can turn guys who are not top, highly drafted guys into um, adequate to above average role players. And to that point, I think we're about to find out whether the Miami Heat's high on its own supply because they've never felt better about Heat culture and what they can do <laughs> um, than right now, right? right? Although Udonis is retiring, so maybe they're a little skeptical about what they can maintain next year. But if they can, if they are feeling that good about themselves, feeling themselves to the point where Kyrie Irving is an option, 
whew, that that's when you know they're really testing uh, their limits as a, as an organization. Because my theory on the whole Kyrie Irving at the trade deadline was, man, this season is going to poop, and let's just take a swing. And if it doesn't work out, no big deal. Free agent, be done next year. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, as opposed to the possibility of signing him long term when he is a full free agent, um, that to me, I, I don't, I don't know if that's a real is a real situation. I don't know if you know, for example, Jimmy, who's friends with Kyle Lowry, would say, "Hey, yeah, friend, I'm going to move on to my other friend, and you can you can go somewhere else." I, I just don't know if that's something that within the organization that I'll be on the same page about. So I'm pretty sure uh, exploring every other option right. uh, before the- that. Not to mention, I doubt Kyrie even wants to be here. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the most attractive place to the expectations that they have down down here. Um, comparing Kyrie and Damian Lillard, does the relative cost of Kyrie being relatively cheaper make him a more attractive option than Damian Lillard in any way? Or I guess the cost that you're paying for Kyrie is his mercurial nature being added to your team. So maybe you don't have to send away a big trade package, but you have to figure out how to manage Kyrie Um Emotionally, yeah. I guess. And you have to have the, the space because he's not, it's not like he's just going to take a discount or right. some, you know, cheap contract or some mid level contract or something. So you've got to have the space for Kyrie. But yeah, you've got to have the patience for him more than anything. Yeah. You have to have the space for that big Damian Lillard contract too that balloons to like 60, right? At some point. So it's a tough place to be, but I guess there's no better place to do it than with uh, Pat Riley and the Miami Heat and Eric Spostro. What's up, Alabaster? So the one thing that's interesting about Lillard in Miami is I I actually think it makes sense even with the $60 million uh, contract at the end because Jimmy Butler is 34 and Dame is an aging small guard and the end of both of their contracts is going to be a disaster. And I almost wonder, like Pat Riley is so forward-facing, I almost wonder if he thinks that the end of these primes is worth the payoff of being in a really tough spot afterwards because – Without making a swing like that, I don't know how they necessarily get that much better. And that's, of course, you could pray to get a Mikael Bridges or a Desmond Bain or one of those things. But these are moves that are not always made from from advantage. They're made from desperation. And I actually think that's interesting because these are players who aren't usually available for desperate teams. Yeah, I think part of the key with Miami is just how long Pat Riley is going to do this. And... You know, I think if they would have, let's say, won this year, he could have, like, pulled the Bob Myers and just said, I'm out. Um, And I think with this sort of deal not being closed yet, it will be something of an, you know, by any means necessary, but not quite as it used to be because, again, everybody else knows, hey, Pat might be done if they win another one. So let's leave the organization in a good place, right? Not with a bunch of terrible contracts and aging players. And so I still think there's that that happy medium. And I think that they're trying to find and I think a lot of the success that they've had with undrafted players gives the organization confidence again that, hey, if we get a, you know, a first round talent or a player that hasn't you know worked out as well uh, other places, we can turn that player into something greater. And so while I love the Damian Lillard uh, example, I think he's a great fit here. Um, if, again, it just depends on what Portland's going to ask for him because I don't think it's going to be, all right, bam, Jimmy and Dame, and then everything else is either good enough for the other team or good enough for the Heat. You know what I mean? Like, if the package is, in, is enticing enough with Tyler Hero and, you know, a couple other pieces, I mean, great. 
but it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. It seems like there are other teams with better packages for a Damian Lillard. Yeah, the Tyler Hero question is one that's kind of slipped my mind since he got hurt in the first um, game of the playoffs is – what type of players he's not at his prime yet. What type of players he going to turn into? Maybe they believe that he can be that second star. I know at one point uh, the Heat were whispering that he had Devin Booker potential. I don't think that they still believe that, especially after what the level of Devin Booker has gotten to on both sides of the ball. But maybe they see this differently, is that this would be entirely different with um, a healthy Tyler Hero, and they're not as desperate as we seem to think that they are. They Right. Even though we don't think they're the other talented, problem. they've been competitive the last several seasons and gotten to the finals or within a game of, yeah, within a shot of the finals. So maybe they're just good. The other problem with, even let, let's say you do, like if you're the Miami Heat and Portland does say, okay, we're, uh, or, or I'm sorry, if you're Portland and you're like, all right, he does want to go to Miami. I guess we have to take Tyler Hero back. And then what do you have? You have Anthony Simons and Tyler Hero, which is what, a Gen Z version of uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? Like, I don't think that that's the way Portland's going to go. So I just, it's almost too perfect type of situation, especially even with Dame talking about it. Uh, I I just have a hard time envisioning it happening. Uh, But I do think the Heat are going to have more options than just a throw everything at Dame Lillard and see, see if that works. Van Vliet and Austin Reeves are two players that I like Miami too, but I think uh, Reeves is a possibility. And I think Van Vliet, yeah, I think they already sort of worked their magic with a Toronto Raptors point guard. What's next? Yeah. Portland. Interesting. You think it's uh, hero and Simons. I think it's Shaden Sharp and whoever the number three pick is. Those are the interesting guys there. Um, But I digress. I mean, I would, I would trade for that number three pick and draft a men Thompson, but Hey, transition. Mm -hmm. Really? Well, we're going to talk about this number three pick because Shams is reporting that the Pelicans want the number three pick or the number two pick. They're enamored with Scoot Henderson, um, as I think a lot of people are, could be an undervalued draft draft asset who could have gone one in a different draft. Um, He also snuck a little bit of spice in there and said, maybe, just maybe they could move on from Zion Williamson. Could you see the Pelicans moving on from Zion Williamson and building around Scoot Henderson? Yeah, I'm not Probably. sure it's the yeah, right really. move. Okay. I could see them doing it. I'm not sure it's the right move. Uh, he's played, I think, just like 112 games or so the last, uh, what? Yeah, there it is. 114, look who's 114 games in the last four seasons. So it'd be moving on. And I guess the making these type of, having these type of conversations is tough when we aren't in the locker room or on the team or in the coaching staff because that's the real question. If you believe that Zion is dedicated, then his, I mean, not even fully dedicated. If you think he's 75% in, then you don't move on from a talent like that. If you have reason to believe, which I know some people have discussed that Zion is not his focus and they point to his weight as an issue and some of his other off the court dalliances, I guess, as uh, pointing to the fact that he is not mentally all the way uh, bought in, then maybe getting off him now is a smart thing to do. I'd never want to trade a talent like that because what's worse than having someone who doesn't reach their, reach their potential is moving on from someone and have them reach that MVP level potential somewhere else. So I don't know that I would have the heart to do it, especially yeah. not for Scoot Henderson. No disrespect. Like I know he's great, but mm. he's a small guard and you're going to put him 
next to CJ McCollum and do the same thing that they did up in Portland year after year is get close with two small guards and and I guess Brandon Ingram. That just doesn't seem as attractive yeah. to me. Thank you for, for leading me into that because I don't want to sound like the crazy person here. To me, my answer is no, I couldn't see this happening, but it had nothing to do really with, with Daddy Zion. I think Zion uh, sort of putting all these arrows this offseason, assuming his foot you know, is healthy, and he, or his foot, his hamstring, everything, his lower half, his lower body, lower half, assuming it's all healthy, I think he's going to be fine motivation-wise. I think he's going to be fine focus-wise. I think it's always been a matter of his health. He really, really likes playing basketball. So when he's not playing basketball, he's bummed out. Of course, he's going to be distracted. But I am just not in love with Scoot Henderson. And look, I've gotten to the point in my life, Dominique, where I've seen enough and I've seen enough people do their jobs to where I'm just like, I trust my damn basketball opinion. All right. And while I don't know Scoot personally, I haven't talked to him, you know, I have talked to like the Thompson twins, for example, or even have gotten to know Victor Wembenyama through Jonathan Giovanni's, etc. I don't really know Scoot. He could have a different you know, mentality that I love or, <clears throat> or a personality that I love or like a perfect fit. But his game, outside of the explosiveness, I don't see it. I do not see Derrick Rose, again, outside of the explosiveness because Derrick was shifty. Derrick had it's a different type of explosiveness. I mean, maybe if you want to say Ja Morant, but... I mean, look at his shooting numbers. He's shooting 42% and 27% from three with G League. And like even, it's just not that impressive. And I look at the highlights and it's pretty much the same highlight over and over again. It's a straight line drive uh, because the defense gives him a straight line drive and he's able to finish uh, over defenders because he's got great athleticism. I don't see it. And I'm not saying he can't be even an all-star in this league because he's got those types, but give up the franchise for you? Mm -mm. Like, I, I don't. And, like, I also, you know, with those types of guards, you wonder if they're one injury away from not being as as impactful as they are because, again, like, his shooting numbers are not great. And that's all people harp on when they talk about the Thompson Twins. Oh, they're shooting. Oh, It's, it's like I, I, I read these, these shooting uh, – these um, – profiles of these draft player uh, draft prospects and some of the things they talk about when they talk about their shooting I'm just like that's not a trained eye you know what I mean and so <laughs> it just makes me laugh a lot of times when I when I you know people are just automatic on these prospects sometimes and I'm like look I hope I'm wrong I hope he's a great player but I just don't see it for Scoot and yeah. I don't want to um I don't want to give up the farm. I definitely don't want to give up on Zion for him. Yeah, and I mean, and Brandon Miller out of Alabama is a, a much better shooter, and he's 6'9". Um, I guess the hard thing about Scoot, and you are, like, alluding to, or not alluding to, kind of saying this directly, but I'll ask it in another way, is who's the comp that's had success? Like, who's the 6'2 explosive guard that has won a championship when he is the centerpiece of the of the team? And if you're trading away Zion, that's what you're trying to get, I guess. Unless you think Zion is never going to pan out. And you think Zion is just going to be a total bust and never get on the court long enough or never um, – or has had uh, enough damage to his body that he'll never be that player. Then, of course, you'll take a B-plus because I think that's probably what we right. both agree is like the ceiling for Scoot Henderson. It's probably like all-star level – 
B plus, maybe A, but not a number one on a championship team. Zion is that. We know when he's playing, we know he is that. And so maybe you trade Zion probably, if you think he never gets there. I'll go ahead. No, I think the comp is probably Derrick Rose, right? Because you had him, um, you know, win an MVP. Yeah, the and the very next year was the one seed again before, you know, blowing out his knee in the first playoff game. And, um, you know, had big three Miami Heat shaking in the boots uh, before they played them that one year. And then the next year, obviously, without Derrick, uh, it wasn't the same. But that's the only one and look what yeah. happened you know he, yeah. he injured himself and so i think again right now probably the closest cop is john morant and you know he's gotten you a couple of rounds but um you know still need more and so right. i i'm with you like i, I it's it's a in weird, the history of the league if they though, do like it, that's the thing is we're looking at the entire history of the league like i can say the Jer derrick rose injury is a fluke and you can't say that that's going to happen to scoot which is true you could say uh that yeah. john morant situation is a lot of other complicating factors but in the history of the league people point to isaiah thomas as the only and he's not even like explosive like that he's more of a mm -hmm. traditional point guard there just isn't uh Guys I mean, who look like technically that, who do that. Dwayne Wade was like six two and three quarters. Ooh, that's a good really one. Just, uh, tape measured him. All, but also, Shaq, also Shaq was on the roster, and then LeBron was on the roster, right? And Shaq was right. still dominant. Shaq, so like it's still, uh, he was not in those finals. He was the best player on the team uh, for uh, the Shaq championship. But I'm not sure I would consider right. him the best player on the team through the course of that season. And he definitely wasn't the best player on the team when LeBron did it. But it's, we're just scraping the barrel. If you're talking about six, eight, six, nine wings, it's a lot of them. The small guards that we've seen had success, like Steph Curry and Scoot don't shoot like that. You know what? Before we get to Charlie, this is the space where I showed off my predictive skills and told everybody that Caleb Martin was coming, right? I told you guys, if you squint, kind of looks like Tracy McGrady out there sometimes. All right, got to squint really hard, but you know, these days maybe not squint as hard. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and maybe we can roll this back a few years from now um, because Debatable is going to be on for decades. Uh, if Scoot Henderson is a better player, has a better career than both of the Thompson twins, Amanda and Asar Thompson, I I'll just retire. <gasps> I'll just retire. But if they both, or one, are better than Scoot and, like, pretty obviously better, I would like to throw my hat in the ring for all scouting departments, all go. scouting departments in the NBA as kind of like a backup job. Like, I'm not going to commit my entire life to it, but send me to a few tournaments here and there. I'll give you my opinion, and it'll probably be great. Do I get, to pick, great. Do I get to pick two players, too, like uh, against one? Is that the, that's the new rule? All right, give me Wimby and Brandon Miller. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you. I like this. So, Izzy, all right, Alabaster. Izzy, I think you actually need to put some stakes on this. You'll retire from flag football, not television. <laughs> Ooh, no. Wow. Will I still be playing flag football in about five, ten years? You know what? Deal. <laughs> that that those are the actual stakes. I will retire fully. No, no C division, nothing. Just retire completely. All right, Alabaster. Oh, that's it. We're done. Hey, you guys are great. That was fun. Hmm. All right, what are we going to talk about next time, Alabaster? You know, football preseason? Baseball. Um, oh, we still got hockey left. We still got hockey. Ice cats. You ready for some goat debates? Oh, yeah, goat debates and rankings. Can't wait to rank everything. Rank the goat debates. Top five goat debates <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Obviously, number one, 
basketball. Jordan versus LeBron.